The Hennessy Report from Keystone Partners, a free-flowing conversation with leaders in the HR community, talking about themselves, the industry, and their work. Brought to you in cooperation with NERA, the Northeast Human Resources Association. Welcome to the Hennessy Report. I'm Dave Hennessy. Today's guest is Tracy Sponnenberg, the Chief People Officer of the Granite Group. You've probably heard Tracy's name or seen her speak or seen her post on LinkedIn or Twitter. She is somebody that really gives back to the HR community. She talks about how she got her start connecting with the larger HR world and also how mentoring and giving back is a very important part of who she is. And by the way, Tracy is speaking tomorrow, February 12th. She is the closing keynote at NERA's Talent Acquisition Summit, the first summit from NERA. Next up on the podcast is Graham Walters, the Chief People Officer at DraftKings. And now our conversation with Tracy Sponenberg. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So I guess we should start where we met. My brother Mike, who introduced me to you through his colleagues at ADP, Anthony Talianto and Justin Bacon, because the three of you run Disrupt HR New Hampshire. Right. And I had the good fortune of being invited to speak at Candy Bee Lake Park, an event you organized. What a great venue. Yeah, and you were great. That was a fun night. It was. And we had you and Michelle Strasberg speak, as well as your CEO, Bill. Yep. And actually, Emma Woodthorpe, who has been on our yes. podcast recently, as She's you know. She's wonderful. I just saw her a couple of months ago at uh, Optima. Oh, that's right. Was, uh, I was on a panel with her. You guys did a great <laughs> job. You are very involved in the HR community, running Disrupt HR, of course. You have a lot of other stuff going on. I'll just rattle it off. You run Disrupt HR. You just spoke at Disrupt Boston. You've involved in lots of SHRM activities around the country. You run Reboot with Michelle, who we just talked about. You spoke at Hacking HR, Unleash. You've spoken at the Tri-State SHRM, the ABT Tech Conferences. I think you're coming up on another one of those again. The Space Coast. We can go on and on. Women in Industry. And you're actually an upcoming keynote at the Arizona SHRM, the closing keynote. So... You have a lot going on. Yeah, that's very exciting. Yes, and that's in addition to the day job. I have a very, very, very supportive CEO who I think we'll talk about a little later. But it's a lot of fun, and it's a great way to get back. Yes, it is. You're doing a lot. It's it's very helpful. And you promote a lot on LinkedIn and social. We'll talk about that, too. We usually like to start the podcast and let our listeners get to learn a little bit about where our guests come from and what their mindset is. Could you talk a little bit about maybe an inflection point in your career that, as you look back on it now, it was something that really got you focused on the things you're focused on today? I spent a lot of my career as just a, a kind of heads-down office worker, plugging away, plugging away for years and almost decades. I don't want to date myself too much, but I will. I'm 47, so I've been doing this for a while. And I did that for a long, long time and just focused on giving back to the company and the people and, and doing the right thing and doing HR, not necessarily working in the business. And not quite four years ago, I had a friend who was organizing a local HR presentation on transgender issues in the workplace. And we had just had our first transgender employee come out and we're a, a plumbing wholesaler so this was something that i was very worried about <laughs> we did a lot of research on to make sure that she really felt comfortable and she was transitioning while working and it went beautifully and our people i should have expected our people were wonderful our customers were wonderful and very supportive and so i called and said hey can you share the story with the speaker? Which speaker? Uh, it was Linda Johnson. Oh, okay. So she, who I sort of knew, called me and said, would you co-present? And uh, I'm 
an introvert, and that was terrifying. I didn't speak in public. I so this is a local HR? Local HR. I was actually president of the group uh, about 10 years prior, and I was so nervous I had to get up, introduce a speaker, and like leave and go back <laughs> to my office and hide because it was so terrifying to get up in front of people. So I had a chance to say yes or no, and I said yes. And so this other side of the things that I do, that was really the start of it. What was it? What so, was the experience like? It must have been a great experience. Horrifying and, and okay. terrifying to get up and stand in front of people. But what I realized was after I had a lot of people come up, I had a lot of people call and email and share their stories and thank me and ask for advice. And I went, wow, I have something to offer in that way. I didn't connect that. So that gave me the courage and the confidence to apply to speak at HR Tech, which was the one year they were offering a small business track. And we had gone through a tech transformation here at the Granite Group, and I spoke about that. And then that led to uh, meeting Mary Kaler from SHRM, who led to speaking at SHRM last year and all kinds of things. So it's all connections. It's been a snowball effect. It's been a snowball effect. From that first just saying, yes, I'll try, I'll speak at this event. Getting outside of yeah. my comfort zone yeah. and then feeling comfortable enough being uncomfortable to get then even more uncomfortable and make those connections. That's great. Well, let's talk about your day job. Yes. <laughs> you got a lot going on, but you spend a lot of time running the people function in HR here at the Granite Group in Concord. Tell us a little bit about the business. If you're not a plumber, you may not have heard of us. We're trying to change that slowly but surely, I think we are. But we're a plumbing, heating, cooling, water, and propane supply house. And how I usually describe that is if you or I, a homeowner, would call a plumber and the plumber comes to the house and says, yeah, you need a new wax ring. And they say, okay, I have one at the office. I'll run back and get it. And they're coming to us and they're buying from us. So most of our customers are plumbers, largest majority. And that that's split among a bunch of different sectors but plumbers are our bread and butter. So that's the best way to describe that. We're a middle person. We don't make anything. We're not a manufacturer. We're an intermediary. Mm -hmm. But because we have a central distribution network in Londonderry, we have 45 locations throughout New England. How many employees are you up to now? It's about 600. 600. And how many states? Six anyway? states. Six, yeah, all, all six states. states. All six all states. states. Yeah. The hub in our central distribution, that's the heart of our company, feeds out every day to all these locations. So if you want a large boiler or a shower, we also have 16 retail-facing ultimate bath stores. So we have this great network that feeds to all these locations. So any of our customers can come in and get something next day mm. if we don't have it in stock. And it's really a fascinating, complicated business that I had no idea was here and I live five miles away. <laughs> it sounds like it's growing fast. And tell us a little bit about the values and culture mm-hmm. that you have. We're a bit of a rarity and this is one of the things that attracted me. We're family owned and we have been mm-hmm. and we've gone through many, 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 many changes and mergers and acquisitions over the years, but essentially the business is somewhat the same as it was in 1971 when we started as a one-room supply house in Worcester, Mass., started by Kevin Condren and his father-in-law. And Kevin's our chairman now, and Mm -hmm. his son Bill runs a company as president and CEO. We're privately held. That gives us the ability to be, I think, a little bit more flexible. And because we're family-owned, and this is somewhat controversial, but it really works for us, we really treat our people like family. And that means going above and beyond, doing the right thing always. 
I can't tell you the amount of times that I've been out in our locations and someone says to me that our chairman or a CEO called them over the weekend to ask if they were feeling okay or if their spouse was okay, if somebody going through a really difficult personal illness or mm-hmm. it happens all the time. And we have almost 600 people. That's not easy. Right. And that's because one of the things that we do that's a little unique also is those of us in the executive team, we're out in the locations all the time. Everybody travels. We all travel. We all travel. That's the best way we get things done here is face-to-face, including our CEO who can walk in any of our locations, anytime, and people don't bat an eye. Mm. They don't bat an eye when I do it either, and that may or may not be normal, but when the CEO comes in and- It's not a big event because it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Right. He talks about being the chief communicator. I mean, this is his company. This is his job. He's immensely proud, as he should be, and people should be able to talk to him. Yeah. Well, so many of our podcast guests have talked about their relationship and how the culture comes from their CEO, Mm -hmm. and they get to work in partnership with their CEO. Do you want to talk a little bit about the relationship with Bill? We have a really cool set of values called praise that each letter stands for something, and everything that we do is driven by that. And then we're really governed by a purpose. It boils down to our people, because you can buy anything that we sell anywhere within a five-mile radius and usually for cheaper which is a terrible business model. And Bill talks about this a lot, but it is true. It is true. And why would someone come to us? It's our training, our knowledge, our experience. It's it's our people, all of that that our people have. And Mm. I didn't really believe that that could exist in that kind of way until I got here. And we have really, truly an incredible, incredible group of people. And part of that is because our hiring is done at the local level with guidance and support from HR, but our managers are hiring their own team Mm -hmm. and that they know best. I remember my first meeting, my first interview with Bill, I snuck out of a meeting I was at or a conference I was at at my last company and kind of (laughs) went into the interview, was super nervous, called him by the wrong name. (laughs) And I thought I blew it. I was just complete. And I turn, I'm an introvert, so I turn red and I went home and I went, oh, that would have been really cool. And I get a call back to come in and meet the crew. And long story short, I ended up here. So I think it was a little bit rocky to start, but no, it it takes time. It takes time. You don't come into a company and just have the trust of the CEO. You have to build that relationship. Mm -hmm. And it took us a little bit of time, but we got there. And I feel like I can share anything with him and he can share anything with me. And he's been next to my husband and Michelle, the biggest supporter of my career. These things that I do the things that are external. The things that are external, right? he's 100% supportive, and not everyone would be. Mm-hmm. And, and why do you think that is? Why do you think he's so supportive of the work you do in the HR community? I think I worked really hard here, and I still work really hard here to prove myself mm-hmm. and to do the best job that I could for the company and to really bring some new ideas and to streamline things and to make things easier and better for our team, our internal team in HR and our external team, meaning our employees. And it took a couple of years to make all these improvements and and we started seeing the rewards and then when I first started doing it I think he was probably a little bit skeptical but (laughs) he saw the returns and what can come from that and the publicity that can come from that oh and the employment branding and the the awards and the things that just from putting and not just me but from putting ourselves out there because it was probably at least a year of convincing to even start talking publicly about the community 
efforts that we have. We did a lot, and we still do in the communities, in every community that we're in. But like we didn't talk work. about it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we're a modest New England company. I was a modest New England person. So it's difficult to talk about those things. So it took probably about a year to really convince him we do this. This right. is great. We need to start talking about that. Yeah. So that in combination with some of the things that I do and and some of our other folks doing things and getting that out there on social media has really proven to be wonderful for all of us doing it, for our community, for our team internally, for our customers and our vendors and commenting and seeing the things that we're doing has been terrific. That's great. You you mentioned something just a moment ago. You said, you know, treating employees as family is mm. somewhat controversial. Mm-hmm. Why is that controversial? What do you mean? So in HR, we've, I think, long been told that you keep a really serious distance, right? So you don't get emotionally involved. You don't get personally involved. Business. It's all, all business. business. Yes, yes. But people are complicated and people are people and have issues and concerns and that bleeds into the workplace so Mm. for many years and i did this too i was guilty of this you just call the eap i don't (laughs) want to hear about it you've got the moment somebody mentions mental illness call the eap i can't handle that (laughs) and that's changing i think that's changing in the world that's certainly i think always been a little bit different here where we take a little bit of a higher level of care with our people now we're Mm. not counselors and we're Mm. not mental health professionals but we do listen mm-hmm. and we do take the time to listen and we do give people the time that they need. Tracy, as CPO of the Granite Group, what accomplishments are you most proud of? One of the wonderful aspects about our culture is failure is embraced and as a learning experience. And I know people really say that in a lot of companies, <laughs> but really it's true. Mm-hmm. For example, our learning management system, mm-hmm. they hated it. Nobody knew how to use it. We found one that we love that's really easy to use but they liked ADP. That was very user-friendly for them. So we didn't want to change something that was working. So we went in and leaned into ADP and did that. But we listened to people. We made those changes over a couple of years, and it made things easier. Our new people coming in don't know any different. They you know, click a few buttons and do their paperwork. But our managers were spending hours on paperwork and usually getting it wrong. Mm. So that was a a huge change and something that we're really proud of. And there's a lot of ancillary things we bolted on, and we certainly had a lot of help through the process. And then our wellness program, we had had double-digit increases forever. And a couple of years ago, we had our first flat renewal, Mm. which was just groundbreaking for us. Very surprising (laughs) in our industry. We're not known for being healthy. Mm. And we had several years ago gone through a, a massive shift in our wellness program and really trying to talk a lot about it, put together some tools that would help people. We have an app with challenges. We reward people on many, many different levels. We give them money for doing 5Ks, all kinds of things, the normal fitness reimbursements, trying new classes. And that's worked out great. There are other factors, but that certainly helped contribute. And then this year, we were able to have another flat renewal and also cut our deductibles in half, which was huge. So those are, I think, the two things I'm most proud of because those are the two things that we did that impacted our people the most Mm. there are there's nothing more important to our people than paying benefits oh certainly 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 benefits as well as the organization exactly exactly and we heard all the time our deductibles are too high it's too expensive and so i spend a lot of time in working and in making sure that that changes yeah what keeps you up at night or what are your goals for the future of what you do in the people function hr function here 
So I, I sleep pretty well, thankfully. <laughs> I have a wonderful. So nothing that we do does. The things that I worry about, I'm always trying to figure out, and this is a difficult code to crack, a customer experience and our customers being our team members. Mm-hmm. And we refer to them Internal as team customers. members, not yep. employees so much. Mm-hmm. But this consistent experience, because we have 45 locations. One of our core values is entrepreneurial. Each of our branch managers really runs their own business. So that's a different experience if you're in Bangor, Maine than if you're in New London, Connecticut. Right, because it takes on the personality of that leader, right? So we have one culture and then we have 45 (laughs) cultures that are a little bit different depending on the the leader. The subculture, right. So, And we don't want to change that at all, but what does it look like as a new hire or as a, a team member? What does that look like to come into that location, particularly as a new hire, and are we providing the same level of service? Right, what are the consistent things? That's... What location? That's what we're really trying to wrap our arms around and doing that through technology and and what does that look like. And now that we've – and we still have more to do and more places to go with that. But now that we've made a lot of changes, we're able to provide a really personal level of service, which I really want to continue. So it's mostly by phone, but anytime a new hire starts, we're not going out. I also want to get our managers to let us know sooner that uh, that somebody new is starting. But uh, our biggest thing is that the buzzword being employee experience, but having that consistent experience across all of our locations. That's great. I'm sure you're thinking the way you treat your employees is the way they treat your customers. You treat your employees well, then everything follows. How would you describe to somebody that never heard of HR or the people function what your mission is in your role here? So we just did an acquisition a few months ago of four locations in Maine. They were much smaller than we are, and, and Maine's a little bit different than even New Hampshire, especially northern Maine. So as I was going up and meeting with people, they said, chief people officer, what's that? Because it's a title that a lot of people haven't heard of. And the way I described it was just my job is to make sure that you're happy. Now, there are a million things that go into that job. But bottom line, we want our people to be happy. Now, that means that they're engaged, that they're performing well, Mm -hmm. that they are in the right seat on the bus. And that's Mm -hmm. another massive initiative we're working on this year um, using Predictive Index, who we love. Mm -hmm. They've just blown up their software in a good way so that it can do so, so much more. And I know you use LinkedIn quite a bit Mm -hmm. and Glassdoor and Twitter. So how have these tools helped you do your job? I was really technology, not phobic so much because I have teenagers, but who make sure that we stay on top of things. But I was not necessarily tech savvy, so I had to learn and to understand technology to overhaul People technology. People would be surprised by that. People I know, would be surprised I that you're an introvert. Yes, People would I know. be surprised that you're not tech savvy. Maybe I shouldn't share <laughs> either one of those things, but no, I've, I've become more tech savvy. It's proof. You don't have to know everything. You really don't have to know anything in this world you just have to know where to find it and you know to be able to google and you have to have some friends who understand so if i need help with something i reach out and you have a huge network a a huge network so i was doing a presentation that involved performance management and i reached out to my network and ben eubanks who is literally wrote the book on ai for hr sent a whole bunch of resources and so that's been huge but getting back to technology you have to educate yourself. And I think the more I did that, the more beneficial it was to our company here, because I not only could bring that to the table in the HR world, but I could understand what was going on in the wider world within the company, because we are 
much more advanced than you would necessarily think by looking at us from the outside in. Right, especially in the industry that you're in. Correct. Right. You spoke at Optima Conference about how you're using Glassdoor and the impact that's Yeah, had. Glassdoor's right. been really huge for us. It's one of our biggest referral sources. And you were telling me before about the impact Twitter's had on you personally. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about sure. what that's meant to you as a professional? Sure. So our social media strategy kind of walks that line between technology and, and branding, and we didn't have one a few years ago. We really worked hard on that. And that includes LinkedIn, that includes Glassdoor, that includes Twitter. Most of my posts have been on LinkedIn. I was on LinkedIn years ago, but I don't think I ever did anything more than like a post until a few years ago. And now I try to post a little something every day. Mm -hmm. Nothing really complicated, but something. And, And you realize, again, the impact that you can have. And that's been wonderful, I think, for my company and my career, because I share a mix of the things that I do externally, the things that we do as a company, and things that friends or colleagues of mine do. And I think that that's super important because there are lots of wonderful HR professionals out there who aren't necessarily sharing their own work. But Twitter really changed my life. I remember this very clearly. It was the second time I was at HR Tech and I had hung out with Mary Kaler. She works with Sherm and she manages the bloggers, which I did this year, which was really wonderful and fun. And she introduced me to Next Chat, which has a different form now, so it's not quite the same. It was a Twitter chat. When is a Twitter chat? I was on Twitter and I'd only tweet when I could win something, <laughs> but I didn't do much with it. She said, Well, join us in this room, bring your laptop, blah, blah, blah. I walked in and there were a bunch of people in there. So I walked out and I joined from my hotel room <laughs> and just went on. And it was a Twitter chat. You follow a hashtag and people do things in a question and answer format. Mm-hmm. I went, Wow, there's all kinds of people on there. And it's all like, similar functions. All similar you, functions. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the same day as my panel I was on, which is a big panel. And then I I got like 50 new followers within a half hour. I went, oh my gosh, maybe I should use this thing (laughs) called Twitter. So I started doing that and I started engaging more. And it's as simple as walking to lunch and tweeting or reading tweets or responding to tweets or liking tweets. And I started to enjoy that. And I started to meet people on Twitter, which is crazy. It's just crazy to me that I would have friends that I would have never met. So I met people on Twitter and I joined the HR Social Hour Twitter chat and started sharing things myself and sharing things other people did. And through those chats, mostly getting to know people a little bit more about what they did professionally and personally. And then I became a Sherm blogger and got to meet them all in person and spend time. And that was just life-changing. So I have friends all over the world who are doing amazing things in their companies. And the wonderful thing about Twitter is you can be a chief people officer, you can be an HR coordinator, you can be an HR specialist, you can have no job at all and have a massive impact on the world. It's super cool. And nobody's on Twitter. Whenever I do a presentation and I ask HR pros who's on Twitter, one to two percent. And this is mostly in the Northeast. So where would you recommend people start? Is it that social... So it's HR, HR Social Hours run HR by hour. John okay. Thurmond and Wendy Daly. It's okay. every Sunday night at 7 Eastern. You just follow the hashtag HR Social Hour. It's a great place to meet new people. It's fun. It's really light. It's global. It's, it's global. Yeah. They also do a podcast and they have downloads from all over the world and they really do a wonderful mm. job. They're wonderful people. I get to meet them and got to know them and at Sherm in June. But you have to engage. You have to like anything in life, you have to participate. Right. If you want to put in, the more you get out. Exactly. Stuff, right? Exactly. So that's a great place to start. So you're really become a thought leader a student and teacher in the HR function. What are the next chapters for the function? What do you see coming that you're excited about? 
we talk about this a lot. And I think you can read all of these forecasts from all of these different people saying all of these different things. Nobody knows what the hell is going to go on. <laughs> really, we, we really don't. But we do know it's going to be driven by our people. Mm. And one of the things that I think has changed in the last few years is the talent crisis, I guess you could say, has gotten the attention of CEOs. Mm. So in even in that's true. Industry, you can see yes, it. you can see that. Yes. And once that happens, they're paying attention externally much more exactly. than they used to CEOs. Right? Exactly. So something will will change. Now we're all competing for the same people. I do see things like maybe high potentials shifting and not so much of a focus on high potentials. Mm. We don't talk about that here because we feel like everybody has potential. So you might be a high potential in this area, but not in this area. I couldn't be in sales. I mean, I just, that I wouldn't be successful in business development. I'm not high potential there. I may be in nature. So we don't talk about that. I agree with you. Kim Scott from Radical Candor says she thinks it's almost immoral to say somebody's low potential. Right, right. We believe every person has potential and there's a spot for someone everywhere. Now, not may not be in our company. Certainly, you're yeah. not a successful company by keeping every person who ever walks in the door. And there are times when that's not appropriate. But if you hire the right kind of person for your company, mm. there's usually a place for them somewhere, even if they're not successful. In, in the first in... go-round, right. Exactly, exactly. So I think that it will be driven by how the workforce moves. And we had this end-of-year recap from our industry association did their most popular articles of the year. And 75% of them were people-focused. Now, this is the entire industry. Everyone reads it. Probably very few HR professionals read it. 75% were people-focused, mm. which was incredible. Since you're so connected and studying other people in the function, who are some of the leaders in the HR world that we should be watching now? People that you've met or following or talking to? So this isn't exhaustive, but I'm going to throw out a bunch of names okay. and then I'll share them on, on social media. I'll the Tim Sackett's of the world oh, of course, and yes. the Lori Rudiman's of the world, you you just have to be following. We just following. had Tim on the and podcast. I, he's it, you know. great. Yeah. And Jennifer McClure, who founded Disrupt. Oh, yes. But there are some others that I think people may not be as familiar with that have really unique voices. Katrina Kibben is doing some wonderful things in the space of teaching recruiters how to write job ads. It's mm-hmm. fascinating. William Tincup is one of the most unique voices in tech. Gina Schill, she founded Woman in HR Technology. I had the pleasure of working with her when I spoke on that a couple of years ago. Ben Eubanks wrote the book AI um, in HR. Joanna Young, who's local, she's a CIO, and she's always has wonderful things to share. She's a chief information officer? She but is, she, this, yes. Oh, she writes a yep. lot about people in HR, it sounds like. Well, not necessarily. Most of these folks are HR professionals in but, some way, shape, or form, yeah. but it's important to follow and learn from people from outside her function, function. Yes, too. And she's one of my go-to people for that. And uh, Michelle yes. Strasberger. Well, you, you have a podcast. So you just had your first year of podcast. We just had closed out our first 10 episodes, our first year. So we founded it really to make the world of HR better, starting with ourselves. And we were both at the same conference a little over a year ago, and we just over dinner one night kind of hatched a plan to how can we do this and so we do these hr rebooted minutes that we put on linkedin and twitter just one minute topics on hr hot topics Mm -hmm. we do this blogs we speak together whenever we can and just try to share some of what we learn and try to gain information from our people and we have people that follow us and then we have this group of hr rebels that we get together for lunch whenever we can people who are positive, supportive, and really care about making the world of HR better. 
there. Mm, that's great. So that's been. And did you tell fun. me that you sometimes record your podcast when you're both driving home? From we work? do. Yeah. Last <laughs> I one, I think funny. I was sitting in the parking lot of one of my my stores. We fit it in. We can. We have day jobs, right? So it's usually like over lunch or five o'clock in the afternoon. That's... And then Enrique Rubio is changing the world with yeah, hacking hack, HR. Right, yeah, hacking. Which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. And he does guy. the LinkedIn Live stuff too. Have you used that technology? I'm going to be all? on one. Oh, you soon. are. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to be doing one with uh, Chris Rainey soon. Yeah. Kate Bischoff is a, an employment lawyer who's really, really fun, and she shares some great stuff. Eric Kershot is a, a disc nerd, self-proclaimed. I'm doing a fireside chat for Enrique with Eric, and he's also an introvert, and he talks a lot about what that is. And yeah. There's a woman named Nicole Garati who started this HR influencer. I'm not one, by the way. I'm not in this, but I love what she did here. From scratch, she's a marketing professional and just created this incredible community geared toward HR influencers. Mm. Renee Robson's based in Australia, and she speaks frequently at SHRM, and she's got a fascinating take. Mafoda Safali is based in South Africa. I love her. She's wonderful. Paul Lalonde has an HR philosopher blog, and he's an introvert also, and he just has a really unique take on this street level influencer he calls hmm. these people because we all have influence people in every day and how they do their work and, and they right. may not get the democratizing of HR and exactly. thinking right um, Jenny Stone and Osasu Agrabe I adore too those are also bloggers that I met and they share some interesting things and there are you know hundreds of people now that I follow that are wonderful but that's a pretty long but but yeah. good start that's your list. short list yes a long yeah. list. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really important I would spend most of the time on our podcast talking about these other folks because we're nothing if we don't have a community around us Absolutely. And, and we can't so go it alone. We can learn from each other. No, right? and exactly. Yeah. We have to. That's great. Well, you know, we produce this podcast in cooperation with NERA, yes. the largest shrimp chapter in New England. And we have the emerging HR professionals question of the podcast every right. time. And you're going to get one right now. Okay. From Megan Mandino, the producer of the Hennessy Report. You've worked as an adjunct faculty at SNHU, co-founded Disrupt HR Manchester, and serve on a number of boards from the health sector to the arts. And you're self-proclaimed teacher to HR pros. So we were wondering what your favorite topic to mentor emerging HR leaders is. So I do a lot of this and I don't talk about it a lot because I think that once you've been in a profession for 100 years, I think you have some level of responsibility to give back. So if someone reaches out to me, I never say no. So several times a week, I'll have a call with someone or email exchange, and maybe more often than that. And it's one of my favorite things that I do. And I think I've found some threads because most of the people, but not all, most of the people reaching out tend to be women. And so a lot of the mentoring and encouraging I've done is surrounding a couple of things that are tied together, confidence and salary negotiation. There are a lot of wonderful HR professionals and there's a lot of wonderful companies and sometimes those salary expectations and the needs aren't necessarily aligned and I think we're conditioned to say yeah I make x and companies are conditioned to go I'm going to give you 10% more so I've, I've done a lot of mentoring on how that works and how you should make sure that you're being paid what you're worth and what that position is worth and not being afraid to ask for what you need. Now we have the Beth Grouse question. What advice would you give to your 30-year-old self? If you could write a letter, dear Tracy, 
what would you yeah. write? So I had uh, my son when I was 26. So right, that that's actually a good time. And so I think what I did is what a lot of women do. And, and I really admire, like Michelle is one of them. Colleen Cohn is another one who I see who have young children that are just changing the world because I didn't do that. I was a, a bit of a late bloomer in terms of getting out there and doing things. I avoid risks in general. I don't so much now, but I definitely did. So if I could tell my younger self, I would say take more risks, travel more, do that even with a, a young child. It's certainly possible. So I, I think in a sense held myself back. Every experience that I had was great and was helpful to me getting to where I am, but I certainly would tell myself to take more risks. Yes, that's great. And what's something interesting about you that we wouldn't find on your bio or LinkedIn that you'd be willing to share? <laughs> or Twitter? <laughs> um, well, I think you can, if you dig far enough, you can probably find it. But I'm a huge pop culture nerd. Movies, TV. I don't watch a lot of TV, but I watch a lot of binge shows. Um, we all do it now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I can tell you everything about the housewives, even though I don't think I've ever seen an episode. So I read a lot about that. that You're a pop most culture people, junkie. Yeah, pop culture like. junkie. That's what I listen to. I listen to some podcasts, but I listen to mostly entertainment radio. That's what I listen to in the car. Of for hours. So you're it's not fascinating. Stuff. It's, we can find you following. Yes, I'm strictly culture. listening to business podcasts in the car, <laughs> no, not, no, not entertainment not. radio ever. No, so I'm listening to a lot of that. And what's the best performance you've ever seen? Hamilton. Years ago, I gave my son tickets to Hamilton. It was very self-serving as a gift. Got tickets. <laughs> We're going together. Yeah, you know, he was obsessed. He was obsessed with it. And oh, you he, had the um, uh, soundtrack. I wrapped the tickets up in the soundtrack. He didn't expect them. I yeah. bought them like just before it became the hottest thing in the world. Wow. So I got normal tickets on Broadway. Wow. We got the original Castle Inn Manuel Miranda left, I think, the next week, and then the whole castle. I didn't know what to expect, and I had only been to a couple of Broadway shows, but it was just phenomenal and he's a history buff and then we, we got to do family. it together and it was just the two of us and we get matching t-shirts and sat in the last row of the theater but it was wonderful that's great and so great to have you on the podcast great to i be think here. it's amazing what you're doing for our, our function thank you thanks for having me thank you for listening to the hennessy report from keystone partners be sure to subscribe to listen to all of our conversations with leaders in hr Go to keystonepartners.com and click on the podcast button.